morning. That was really lackluster. Good morning. Good morning. That's way more better. Way more betterish. I say things like that just to annoy my English teacher wife. And, and Caroline. It's annoying to you too? It's annoying in general. It's working. It's working. I, uh, I wanted to throw in a little advertisement to a prayer request. But because it's prayer request time, I didn't want to make an announcement like that. But uh, re mentioned that there's groups of people that go to the Warping Center. And uh, if you want to volunteer or are interested in finding out what that is, they will let you volunteer and they'll pair you with somebody that's really experienced. You don't, you're not there on your own. But if you want to, you can talk to me later and make that happen because I'm, I'm one of their board members. So I can kind of make that happen. There's other ways that you can help them too. Like uh, a new plan is that at the Walmart, you can go out and check on Walmart online for the wish lists, and they have my needs online, and you can purchase it. And it'll, you can purchase it online, and they'll call the Warming Center director, and the director will give you the, the list already has it. So, anyway, there's that. I have this little sheet of paper I'm going to read at least three times today in the sermon, so I've got it separated for you. Now, it might not make as much sense the first time I read it as it will the last time, but that's okay. This is it. I want to talk about freedom in Christ. And this freedom in Christ allows us to live in a gap. We talked about the gap between our hope of what we were hoping for and, and the full hope that Christ brings into our lives and is bringing to fulfillment. But there's a gap between what we understand. But we live in a gap between accepting God's plan and the fulfillment of that. And I think that, that that's really made sense. This gap, this freedom in Christ, allows us to let others live in that same gap, too. Sometimes that's the struggle for Christians, is to not only live in the gap themselves, but to let other people live somewhere in that gap and not where we're at. And then it's in this gap, I want to make sure that we know this, that freedom and forgiveness in that gap where that flows through our lives, that, that, that a highway to heaven, if you will, or a holy road, when we walk. And that's all in our scripture today. But so, just so you know, when I pick up this thing, I'm going to read that same thing again. Last, or three weeks, two weeks ago, we were at the first Sunday of Advent. You know, somebody came up and lit the first candle, and we talked about watching and, 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 uh, and uh, what it takes to prepare ourselves to watch for what God's going to do in our lives. And that that preparation begins to bring peace into our lives as we hope for what's coming. And we see it start to come when we do that. That was the first Sunday of Advent. The second Sunday of Advent I had last week was turn. It's the repent piece of Advent. A lot of people don't think, well, Christmas has this big repent piece. But there's a big, huge repent piece in Christmas. It's literally... John the Baptist was big into it. You know, his job was to turn the nation because if the nation didn't turn with the witness of John the Baptist, 
in, in Jesus, when Jesus came, he was going to, the witness was, well, you won't be ready and therefore destroy. But it's coming. And so as we watch in peace and preparedness, get us ready, we also repent. And that repent I talked about was a, the witness of the spirit within us that it saw us um, maybe not having the full vision yet. And sometimes we need to repent that we just don't have as big a vision for what God's doing in our lives as he does. And, and, and as we turn from our semi-good vision into a really good vision, we repent and therefore return towards God's good way. But that's a discipline, isn't it? We have to learn to watch for the Spirit. And as we watch, as the Spirit has worked in our lives, that discipline teaches us to continue to work, watch for the Lord. This week, I want to talk about of the concept C and and uh, with a couple of other things. But I want to do this sort of like the way baseball is different than football. How many of you are baseball fans? Are there baseball fanatics in the room? Okay. Now, some of you that are baseball fanatics are also football fanatics. But football fanatics, how about football fanatics? Okay. So the, there's a difference. So I noticed the three is lifted for baseball but not football. No, it's all good. It's okay. But but the way that the way that we watch baseball and, and they do statistics for baseball is different from the way they do it in football. They talk about, well, this could happen in football. In baseball, um, the statistics are all lived through the rearview mirror. It's like you have to look at the history of the game and where everybody fits all the time. Am I right? They always talk about, well, this guy's doing this and he fits with baseball. That they, that they watch baseball through the rearview mirror all the time. It's about the history of the game. <clears throat> Our lives in Christ sometimes need us to look in the rearview mirror to see what God has done in the past in our lives. That's what I'm going to invite you to do now, just for a moment, is to, is to look into that rearview mirror to see where God has been at work in your life. You see some things he's done in, in your life that were sort of unexpected, that, that maybe you didn't even know were him while they were going on, but they happened later. I'm, I'm getting some knowing looks. Okay, good. I have those spots in my life, too, where, where even when God was working, I didn't know he was working. It's only in the rearview mirror that I see that work. That I can give thanks to that. But here's the reason I want to go through this is that forgiveness and freedom, the sub or redemption and freedom, that redemption, as God redeems us and brings us into freedom, I just want you to know that's the way that works, that redemption is a function of God's love that he pours out upon us, and from that redemption breeds freedom, and we have freedom now in Christ, and we got that through redemption, and often we don't see that change. We see it in the rearview mirror. Is that true for you? I know it's true for me. When I was not a Christian and I was living my life, I thought I had freedom, but that freedom wasn't really freedom. It was, it was all sorts of little bondages all over the place that, that had me feeling sick on certain mornings after certain activities the night before. And those of you who've lived that way know what I'm talking about. It feels like freedom, but it's not. Redemption in Christ brings true freedom. And so I want to make sure that we do this, that, that you're ready to see this 
as I read and, and work through Isaiah 35 with us. Okay? So this is, that's Isaiah 36. You want me to read the wrong chapter? And then I'll preach out of it. And 36 is longer. There you go. Karen's protecting me. 35 is 10 verses, so she's keeping it short. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. That is quite a vision. I just want you to know that lots of our Christmas texts have this complete vision of something that's beyond what we know. I'm, I grew up in the desert, okay? And I've worked with that Department of Transportation, and they used to say to me this, well, you know, we have beautiful highways in western Washington, but eastern Washington, we need to change, this, change the scoring process for beautiful highways because you wouldn't have any if we didn't do it. And then they would say something about the Tri-Cities, like it's only beautiful for the three days in the spring, and then it's just brown. They, they, they truncated. It's actually just three weeks in the spring. You know, because sage goes green and blooms. And then the sun hits and it becomes brown. But it's still there. And it's, but it's beautiful in a different way. This is a vision. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. That's, that's, that's the beginning of understanding that what we think of as where we live isn't done yet. It's not complete. And this is what happens with redemption and God's love pouring out. Verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands. And make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of our God. He will come and save you. And then, after that, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. The waters will break forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the haunt of jackals, for they lie down and the grass will become green and luscious. That is a picture of what redemption begins to do. But here's the freedom that comes, okay? So first redemption, then freedom. That's the pattern that keeps going in our life. If you've experienced redemption in part of your life, you have a freedom that flows out of that. If, if you've had another part of your life redeemed later on and more freedom that flows out of that, this is the pattern. But, but remember that all freedom flows out of redemption. Here it is. And the highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall be long to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their hands. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's quite a vision of freedom, isn't it? Wouldn't it be nice to be in a place 
Their sorrow and sighing have consumed their flesh. It says they, they, they've left the premises. Elvis has left the premises. Just, just remember that, that we, are, we are in this gap. Freedom in Christ allows us to live in the gap between accepting God's plan and the fulfillment of it. It allows us to let others live in that same gap. It's in this gap between forgiveness and freedom that a holy road begins. Did you think about that? Did you think the holy road's only on the other side when we see Christ and we're lifted up and then we're in the holy road? No, you're on that path. And it's Christ who keeps you. But, but, there's, but there's this pattern of redemption and freedom. Redemption and freedom. And I want us to look in the, in the in our rearview mirror to see it in the past in our lives that can strengthen us for what's coming and keep us on the road as we go. I want to I look in the rearview mirror of the church for a second so that you can know that I'm not just talking about persons, individuals, but sometimes churches do this. But before I talk about the rearview mirror of this church for a second, I just want you to know where a lot of churches are in America right now. They're in survival mode. Have you ever been in a church that's in survival mode? They're completely turned inward on itself. They only, they only think about what they need. There's no, no grasp of what the community might need. There's no working out in the community. There's no gifting the community out in them. Matter of fact, sometimes they see the, the community as their fundraising location. Right? That, that's, a, that's survival mode. Um, I've only been here a year and a half. Let me tell you that when a pastor changes churches, the worst thing that they get is they don't want a survival mode church because the work is really hard to get them to turn off themselves and to look outward to others. But as I look into the rearview mirror of this church, and I have a short vision of what the rearview mirror of the church is, you have a much longer vision. Even if you've been here two years, it's longer than my rearview. But as you look into this church history, I want you to see some things. How long has the meal been going on on the hill? Eight, nine years, ten years, somewhere in there? I think it's ten. It's pretty close. Think about that for a second. There is a need in this community, and somewhere a redemption happened within this church, and freedom flowed out of that, and out of that freedom came the ability to serve and to witness into other people's lives what it meant to be redeemed. And out of that redemption, out of that action comes the holy road. But it's not just the meal. What about Thanksgiving meal? Or the Christmas Eve meal? Or, or, or. I mean, how many times do I have to say it? I, I, I'm not in the community. Oh, that's the church where the AA meets. That's the church that lets us eat there. That's the church that does this for us. That's the church that does that for us. Last night I was the welcome, I was the welcome mat, if you will, at, at um, this, which by the way, some of you know, I love that role. But, but I got asked multiple times last night, how do you guys pay for this? How do we pay for it? 
We just do it that somewhere in our past that there was a redemption that, that brought forth a freedom to just do. 26 years ago. Do you understand that that is a redemption beyond what some churches are willing to see in their rearview mirror? But this church has that in its rearview mirror. What, where, when, what will go on next? What redemption will bring freedom out of that? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to let you know, wow, that you have something in your rearview mirror that can strengthen you for whatever is coming next. You are on the holy road, but always out of some redemption, which we might not understand, somewhere along the line, you became a church that didn't hold fundraising meals that other people came to, that you went and brought, held meals that other people came to, that you came to, as a blessing to the community. But out of a redemption, somewhere came a freedom to just go, it's no big deal. We'll just handle it. And I have only been here a year and a half. Now, I know for some of you it seems like I've been here longer than a year and a half. For some of you it seems like I just got here. I want you to know that what a blessing it is to be a pastor of a church who in the rearview mirror, the church looks at the redemption that's happened and out of that comes freedom to serve. To look at the needs of the community and go, this community has a need. What can we do? How can we join in? It's actually freed me up to do some things that I hope are beyond what, what normally pastors do. Some of that has allowed me to become the benevolence coordinator for the Ministerial Association because it's part of the ethic of this church. Matter of fact, when I become the benevolence coordinator for the Ministerial Association, all I'm doing is joining in the redemption and the freedom that this church has had. And me too. The redemption that has been in my life that, that brought forth freedom in my life. Remember, see this in your own rearview mirror as freedom. Do you hear me saying, well done, good and faithful servant? I hope so. But there's more. I mean, because we've done this stuff, the like the warming center board, they go, we need you on the board because you solve some things that, that nobody else can do. You see the world different. They've seen the redemption and the freedom that flows out of that. In a previous church, when I joined into its ministry, I became a wrestling coach at a high school because they were involved in the sports and all this stuff. Here, I'm allowed to do this other thing and I joined your redemption. Where is this, as I talk about a corporate redemption and freedom, where does your personal redemption and freedom fit into that role? What can you see in the rear view mirror in your own life? Where do you need more freedom? What's the spot that doesn't feel like freedom when you look at it right now? Say, Lord, help me Now, there's more to the story here than this because there's a text that's paired with this in the lectionary. And some of you might not have known this, but I'm actually doing the lectionary texts for the traditional text for this. Here's, here's a text out of Matthew that is paired with this one for this Sunday. And this is a stunning surprise to many people that this is a Christmas text. Here it is. 
John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about these things when Messiah was born. Does that sound like a Christmas text? John the Baptist was in was in prison. And he heard about the things the Messiah was doing, and so he sent his disciples to say, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told him, Go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor, and tell him, God blesses those who don't turn away because of him. This is, this is another piece of the story, because remember, we're living in a gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And John the Baptist I love this text for, for a reason that's slightly different than I've almost always loved it today. I love it because it gives us permission to groan and be kind of unhappy and wonder if we're on the right spot. Is, are any of you in that gap between acceptance and fulfillment? And sometimes you're wondering whether or not you're doing it right. You just sit there and you go, this can't be right. I don't get it. Is he really the Savior? I don't get it. I just want you to know, Jesus doesn't become not the Savior because you go, man, I don't get how he's doing it. He's big enough. He can handle our doubt. But I really thank John the Baptist and later on Thomas who says, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hand in his side. I just thank them for the chance to say, you know, when we don't get it and we don't understand what's going on, we can come to God and say, I don't get it. And what's he do? He goes, see what's gone on in your rearview mirror. Just look again. He just goes, tell him what's going on. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak. Well, this is the text out of Isaiah that I read, isn't it? That on this place, when, when the weak are strengthened, this happens, and that's the holy road. That's the way of redemption. How many of you have sort of a groaning in your spirit? I mean, I've heard it today in the service in the prayer and praise night. There was some groaning going on, wasn't there? It's okay. The Holy Spirit, as I've talked about in our, in our times in the past here, does sort of kneel into our spot where we go, uh, I guess God would do it this way. When you're not actually doing it. But you're in that spot where there's a spot where redemption causes freedom to become free. And the freedom isn't as complete as it will be because there's still spots in our lives that need redemption. But there's spots in our lives where redemption has happened and we can see it in the rearview mirror. Now that we can see it in the rearview mirror, will it fuel us? Will it propel us? Will it move us into a future where there's more, where we can get past the groaning? the groaning. Lord, I don't believe. Help me believe. There's a spot within the Christian faith for us to do that and have those doubts. And that's freedom too. Isn't it? Have you ever been in a place where it's not okay to doubt? Where if you don't say it right, they get mad at you and all those things? That is not this place. Freedom in 
always redemption is always because God's love has just been poured out continually on us, that he buys us back, that he, that he does this. Freedom in Christ allows us to live in the gap between accepting God's plan and fulfilling it. It also allows us to let others live in that same gap. Now, that doesn't mean that they're in the same spot in the gap. Have you ever stood next to somebody that's in a different spot in the gap between acceptance and and fulfillment. Maybe somebody's just near the beginning of it, or maybe they're near the end of it. Sometimes they're so far away from where we are in the gap that, that it doesn't seem like they're doing any right, and our first temptation is to correct them. Instead, just to let them know that I am the one that's in charge. It's in this gap in the forgiveness of we see the coming of Christ, as we see the coming of Christ and what it meant to the first century believers, we are in that gap now going like this. I wonder what the second coming is going to look like. As we're in that gap between accepting God's plan and fulfilling it. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your love let your love cause me to move to reliance out of to redeem us out of to, to, to bring us back if you will to the manufacturer Jesus.